is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, Before we jump into the middle of things, and we've got a lot to jump into, uh, I do a lot of reviewing and studying and so forth for this program to make the priorities uh, as, uh, as smartly as I can and to run a tight ship as best as I can doesn't mean we're not going to address issues thoroughly, because I only have three hours, and when you subtract commercials, a lot less than that. But before we do all that, I wanted to mention a friend of mine, a real friend of mine, Jackie Mason. Jackie Mason was one of the funniest men ever to walk this earth. I'm not exactly sure how I got to know him. He reached out to me. I think he would saw me, saw me maybe on Hannity and Combs or something like that. But as his longtime beautiful wife, Jill, reminded me, he was the one that kept telling me, you need to be on TV. And I kind of poo-pooed it. And um, if you went to one of Jackie Mason's show, you would talk about it 20 years later. It was... I mean, you were laughing from your gut. He was so smart. He was so fast. You don't see that today. You see these late-night comics who are boring, who are predictable. He wasn't that way in any respect. And uh, he was also a tremendous patriot. He loved this country. Unparalleled love for this country. And he was a great, great, great supporter and defender of the state of Israel. He was a conservative. He was a constitutionalist. He was enormously well-read. As I said, extremely smart man. 
And we got to know him. In the latter years, didn't keep up as much as I should have. But I can't do it with anybody. It's amazing what this life has done. But from time to time, he would text. From time to time, he would send me some information, which I would link to, which I might mention. Often did on the program. And by his side for almost half a century with his wife, Jill, who handled so many of the particulars. And I remember those meals with him from time to time. I remember in London. I think that was the first time we met. We're out of the blue. He was doing a performance, I think, for the royal family, and he was incredibly popular in Britain, as well as the United States. And the thing is, when we would sit down, me, members of my family, Jackie Mason, his wife, sometimes a few others of his friends, he was very, very inquisitive about life generally, about the kids, family, about issues, very, very inquisitive. He didn't monopolize. In fact, he listened a lot. I did not know he was sick. And I'm not going to get into confidential information of how he passed and so forth. That's not going to happen. But I did get a call in the morning from Rollo Feller, probably his best friend. Because Jill asked him to call me, letting me know that he wasn't going to make it through the day. And then sometime, evening, dinner time or so forth, I got a second call telling me he hadn't made it. So, you know, you come to this earth and you leave this earth. There's no escaping it. But if you make a difference, whether you make people laugh or a difference in your own way, in your own role, in your own life, the life of the family, of your family, that's a successful life. He had a very, very full and successful life. And uh, Mr. Substitute Producer here, one of our buddies, Stephen, and Richie, Mr. Call Screener, they pulled together just a few minutes of a Jackie Mason appearance on the Ed Sullivan show on August 13, 1969, about doctors. Now, Ed Sullivan banned him from his show because he claimed that Jackie Mason made a, uh, a foul hand signal. Jackie Mason did not make a foul hand signal on national TV to Ed Sullivan or to anybody else. Never happened. But Ed Sullivan had the power back then to make you or break you. But he couldn't break Jackie Mason. Nobody could break Jackie Mason. So let's take a listen and enjoy the life of Jackie Mason. Just a few minutes. Go, Mr. Producer. Don't you know anything about doctors? Why do they charge you $10 for the first visit? From the second visit on, it's only five. You ever notice it? It's always less from the second visit. This don't bother you. Why should it be less from the second visit? I worked out a system. I walked in. I said, well, here I am again. <laughs> he gave me an examination. He said, take the medicine. I said, what medicine? He said, the same medicine I gave you the first time. 
Hey you, get up. <laughs> Must be a doctor. It hurts him that I'm picking on them. It's not that I'm picking on them, but it disturbs me. It disturbs me that when a doctor writes out a prescription, only he and the druggist could read it. Why is it nobody else could read it except them too? Because it always says the same thing. I got my money, get yours. <laughs> you don't think I'm picking on doctors because uh, today I had a bad throat myself. I had to see a doctor. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had a terrific earache. This is a true story. It's not even my act. It was a horrible thing. I went in to see this doctor. He looked into my ears and he said right away, he said, I see your trouble. He said, it's wild women. He said, do you know that wild women could affect your hearing? I said, is that true? He said, what? <laughs> is that the best you could do with that joke? I almost became a doctor myself, you know, to a Jewish boy in a Jewish home. It's a big thing to see your son become a doctor. I wanted it for a different reason. I think it's the greatest profession that ever existed. In what other business could a man tell a woman to get undressed? And send the bill to her husband. I know, I know, a doctor tells every girl he sees, take your clothes off. I can't figure it out. He's an optometrist. into the doctor's office. Listen to this. Are you busy right now, mister? <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> she started to holler. I got a terrible pain in my shoulder. He started to give her a rub down. She said, excuse me, that's not my shoulder. <laughs> he said, that's all right. I'm not the doctor. <laughs> you know what I just figured out? This is very interesting. Not to this guy in the front. But it's very... Why don't you sit with him and we'll keep all the stiffs on one chair? <laughs> I just told myself a better joke than I told you. <laughs> what was I talking about? I got my finger ready, but my mouth isn't working. <laughs> what I was talking about is this. Let's, let's not pick on doctors too much. That's bad taste. Because there are crooks in every profession. <laughs> and the chances are that doctors are more honorable than most people. They are. And that's true. The only thing, the real problem is not with the doctors, it's with the average person who doesn't know one doctor from another and everybody claims that his doctor is the best. You ever see a guy go to a plain doctor? Everybody's doctor is the world's greatest. Where do all these lousy doctors come from if everyone is the best? <laughs> you don't know how good the doctor is. Let's assume, God forbid, you got a kidney condition. I don't know what you got, it looks worse than that. <laughs> But let's assume, God forbid, a person has a kidney condition. When you go to this doctor with your kidney condition, do you really know how good he did in kidneys when he graduated medical school? You don't need 100% in every subject to graduate, do you? You got 65 as an average, you're a doctor, right? That's only an average, which means you don't have to get 65 on every subject. You can get 35 in one subject and 90 in another. It averages out about 65, right? Now, maybe just your looking kidneys, he got 35. <laughs> with liver. Is that going to help you? You'll die from a kidney condition. That's why when I go to see a doctor, I don't want to see his diploma. I want to see his report card. As soon as I walk in, I say, how did you do in kidneys? You got 90? We'll do business. Otherwise, next. Well, it goes on and uh, I remember, uh, you know, he did a lot of ethnic things that were hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. People of every ethnicity, they packed into these places to see him and so forth. It's uh, the kind of humor today. I don't even know if they'd accept it, but who cares about they or them? And you can go on the internet and listen to a lot. And I I was asked uh, over 10 years ago, 
to participate in a movie he did, One Angry Man, and you can get the DVD, by the way, it's on Amazon.com, and I played the role of a judge, and uh, it was fantastic. Just being around him and Jill and the other people, I think I was there one or two days. I could never remember my lines, Mr. Producer, so I wrote them on the back of a card. And as the judge, I pretended I was reading the sentence. He didn't care. He was having a blast. Everyone was having fun. Nicest guy you could have met. Really cared about people. I mean, I, I can even remember one late night, and I don't even remember the occasion, uh, where Jackie Mason, there were two delis, and there's one in particular he liked, and I said, let's go to celebrities. They said, no, you don't want to go there. Come to this one with me. It was another one. And he would talk, and he was funny, but he would listen. And, you know, people say to me, how come when I meet you, you're not the same way you are when you're on the radio? I said, but in many ways I am. Like this conversation right now. Around a dinner table with friends who said, this is how I talk. But when the issues are so serious, when the future of the country is on the line, how can you not be passionate? Maybe you're not passionate over a steak, but how can you not be passionate? So I'm the same person. It just depends on the circumstances. He was always the same person. He wasn't always performing when he was at the table. But anyway, I'm not, I know I'm not conveying this as well as I should. I just want you to know we lost a great man in so many ways. Patriot brought so much uh, happiness to so many people. And we wish, uh, we wish him rest in peace and his family all the best. I'll be right back. Mark In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You know, folks, uh, I know some people like the Olympics. I used to like the Olympics. Not so much anymore. And I suspect the viewership in America will be way, way down. But I want to read something to you. Another judoka, that's a judo expert, drops out of the Olympics before facing Israeli opponent Tohar Bootball. 
Bootball. You see, Tohar Bootball is Jewish. He's an Israeli. A second judoka due to face Tohar Bootball has dropped out of the Tokyo Olympics. Sudan's Mohamed Yabadabadu weighed in for his match against Bootball, who's from Israel, but did not show up for the bout, according to The Guardian. Both the International Judo Foundation and Sudanese Olympic officials did not provide a reason for the mismatch. It's the second time a potential opponent of Bupal's has dropped out of the event. Yabadaba was supposed to face Algerian Feti Noreen in an earlier round, but Noreen pulled due to the winner of that fight having to take on Bupal in the round of 16. Noreen said he didn't want to compete against Bupal due to Noreen's political support of Palestine. Noreen is not the first athlete to refuse to compete against Israeli opponents. Bupal is ranked seventh in his weight class, had a first-round bye at the start of the tournament. With Yabba dropping out, Bupal will advance to the round of 16 despite not taking on a single opponent. So that's two opponents in a row who will not compete with the Israeli Jew. Have you heard this on television anywhere, Mr. Bidus? I haven't. Is it being covered by network news tonight? I doubt it. By any news tonight? No. Just the Jews. Abupol is matched up against Victor Sturpu of the Republic of Moldova. In the round of 16, Sturpu defeated Cuba's Miguel Estrada in the round of 32. It's unclear whether Bootball will finally get an opportunity to fight or if Sturpu will follow the two Yabadabas and drop out of the event. I don't do Yabadaba out of disrespect. I have no idea how to pronounce these names. Although for those two, I despise them, obviously. So the Olympics, which aren't supposed to be political... I will continue to root against the women's American soccer team, unless they're already out. Also, uh, the hammer. Better, the hammer head. Throwing a hammer. Uh, I hope she loses, if she's even in it. If you hate America, then I despise you. It's that simple. If you're an anti-Semite, you can go to hell. I'll be right back. Levin, the voice of America. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. So I, I didn't know this, folks, but listening to part of the press conference today, did you know that Joe Biden has not even nominated anybody to be the FDA commissioner? Hasn't even nominated anybody to be the FDA commissioner yet. And all these corrupt reporters who have Dr. Fauci on, we, uh, Dr. Fauci won't come on this program anymore. He was on with me on TV once. He will not come back. He only goes to friendly media. That's all he does. So he won't get asked this question, and I'll ask it to you myself. If all of us wear masks, vaccinated or not, whether you had the virus or not, what do we do about the million or so people who are coming across the border? 
who have not been vaccinated and are not wearing masks. What does Dr. Fauci suggest we do about them? What do all the medical experts in the Biden administration suggest we do about that? We have a huge problem in this country, a huge problem in this country. And I blame Dr. Jill Biden, I blame the Democrat Party, I blame the media, and I blame people who are around Biden every day. And I'm going to play it for you. Now, I'm not one of those that makes fun of people who have dementia or Alzheimer's or what have you. It is, it is horrific. But I am one of those that says that there's no way Joe Biden should be president of the United States. No way. And yet the media, the Democrat Party, his wife, his inner circle know it, but cover it up. This will be one of the great scandals in history. Great scandal. I want you to listen to this. Now, Kelly O'Donnell is as I, a reporter, I believe, for NBC. Cut 15. Go. such a pain in the neck, but I'm going to answer your question because you've known each other for so long. It has nothing to do with Iraq. The answer... No. <laughs> All right, hold on. That's not the one I meant. I meant cut 14. Sorry, folks. Cut 14. Go. Chairman Leahy, Leader McCarthy, Senator Casey, Congressman Scott, Congressman... <laughs> Where is he? There you are, Paul. You understand this better than anybody does. I want to thank you, Congressman, for all your work. And I want to thank you all for being here. Second, uh, by the way, where's mom? Mom, is she here? Oh, she's watching. Okay, I thought she looked. I said, mom is out there. I was going to ask her to stand up. But mom, you can't stand up and, if you're home. What in the world is he talking about? What in the world is he talking about? Now, this isn't time for mockery and laughing and humor. This is a problem. He's getting worse. As you would expect somebody who has dementia. He's getting worse. The problem is behind him is somebody who is wholly unqualified to be president of the United States. Not based on her race or genitalia, obviously. Based on the substance. She can't cut it. And the behind her is Pelosi. It was an evil, nasty. I'll leave it at that. So we have a real problem. People are manipulating Biden to advance this Marxist, American Marxist agenda. There's a reason why so many of you like Donald Trump. There's a reason why. Because he's a serious man. He's a substantive man. And he was a great president. Yes, he was. Let's, let's listen to some of And by the way, he's being mocked a little bit today because he went to Arizona. He talked about the election in Arizona. It's an amazing thing to watch the very press who lied for years about Russia collusion, who were part of the propaganda machine that tried to undermine the last election, that now says, what's Trump doing questioning stuff? These are legitimate audits. This isn't some abstraction about Russia collusion with criminal investigations and 
investigations in the House of Representatives. No, these are states looking at what took place. Oh, we can't have that. He must be a nut. He must be a nut. All of us, we reporters, we were brilliant all through Russia collusion anyway. We don't need any lectures from these a-holes, that's for sure. But here's Donald Trump at Turning Point USA. Cut 23, go. The Biden administration's America last philosophy, because it's America last. It's America last, that's all it is, is also making a mockery of our country right here at home. Earlier this year, Biden signed an executive order pushing toxic, critical race theory into our children's schools and into our military. How about our military? This poisonous left-wing doctrine is flagrant racism, plain and simple, and it has no place in our schools, no place in our military, and no place in our country. If you remember, I ended it very rapidly with a very powerful executive order, but that executive order was immediately repealed and terminated by the radical left. A Republican Congress will defund it and ban it once and for all. They're going to ban it. They will get it done. In testimony before Congress, lightweight chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, actually defended the teaching of CRT, a Marxist ideology, to our men and women in uniform. Can you believe it? These soldiers, they're the greatest. They're hearing this stuff. They're saying, I can't believe what I'm hearing. The soldiers are saying it. He said he wanted to, quote, understand white rage. He wants to understand white rage. What the hell is he talking about that for? Our generals should not be focused on learning left-wing ideology. They should be focused on defeating America's enemies and winning our future wars. Hopefully we don't have them, but if we do, we have to win them. Now, Compare this to uh, Joe Biden. Compare this to anybody in the Democrat Party leadership, in most of the Republican leadership. Cut 24, go. The radical left is determined to ruin everything in America. That's what they're doing. Woke politics takes the life and joy out of everything. Wokeism makes you lose, ruins your mind, and ruins you as a person. You become warped. You become demented. The U.S. women's soccer team is a very good example of what's going on. Earlier this week, they unexpectedly lost to Sweden three to nothing. And Americans were happy about it. You proved that point before I even said it. Now the left is in the process of destroying our national pastime baseball. First, we saw the embarrassing spectacle of the commissioner of baseball bowing to the radical left on voter fraud. You saw what they did. You saw they moved the All-Star game. Now, one of the most beloved and storied franchises in baseball, all of baseball, I watched it as a kid at Yankee Stadium, the Cleveland Indians will be changing their name a name that was filled with history and memories. The new name will be the Cleveland Guardians. By by the way, when did Indians become a a nasty word, a banned word? I'm, I'm quite serious about this. All right, go ahead. Which is terrible. 
The Cleveland Indians, you know, that's such a... If I were an Indian, I'd sue. Sue them, Indians. I mean, what could be better? You know, they, especially if you have a good team, the Cleveland Indians, it's one of the greatest names, one of the most incredible logos. People loved it. They are going absolutely crazy in Ohio over the name change. The Cleveland Guardians? What's that all about? The insanity of the left knows no bounds, and both Indians and baseball fans should be greatly insulted. They want to take away our history, our heritage, our culture, and everything that holds us together. By the way, remember when Bill Clinton was in Arizona? Do you remember that? It was about 125 degrees out. Sorry to bring that up. And he has a bad heart. And he said he was playing golf, but actually he was meeting on an airplane with the attorney general discussing Hillary. I wonder what they were discussing. Remember, he said, no, no, I was only there. I was only there to discuss my grandchildren and golf. Remember that? He said he was out there to play golf, but it was about 121 degrees that day, which is a little hot. What's happening to our country has sadly happened to so many others. We are at the beginning of a communist system. Radicals are seizing power and destroying everything we hold dear as Americans. And it's happening. And I said it was going to happen. It was a fantastic speech. Fantastic. Now, before we go to the break, people ask me, I want you to know something. I don't want you to be dispirited. I want you to be really quite uplifted by something. American Marxism, in the first week, sold, as you know, 400,000 copies, hardcover and all other platforms. It's unheard of. This past week, it sold another 150,000, the vast majority of which were hardcover. This is give or take, because the final numbers aren't in, likely a bit higher. That's 550,000 copies in one form or another of American Marxism in the hands of half a million people. A book. An e-book, an audio. But a book. A substantive book. A serious book. And at the end of the book, an action plan in the book. This gives me a lot of hope. Because when you folks read the book, and take your time, but when you read the book, you'll be able to pass the knowledge and information on to the person down the street, people who live with you, and others. This is important. This is our Thomas Paine and Paul Revere moment. Not because I said it, but because it is. And you are all participating in it. You are all participating in it. People are bravely calling this what it is now. Bravely calling this American Marxism. Marxism. Not progressivism. Not social activism. Not democratic socialism. You are way ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the curve. 
and across the board, you're going to make a difference. And I believe this next election, there's going to be political payback for what these extremists have done to this country already. I really believe that. I want to thank you for galvanizing. And I want to thank all the, the retailers and out there who, who've taken enough books in order to accommodate you. Now, I know we don't like Jeff Bezos, but Amazon has been unbelievable in terms of stocking the book and making it available the next day. Barnes & Noble has been unbelievable. They've all been unbelievable. Costco, except for the Leesburg store, where I went yesterday, because I go hot dogs, I tell you about once a week. Not a single book was out. 160 copies were sitting on a pallet in the back. But all the other Costcos have been extremely responsive, and I want to thank them, and corporate Costco. I'm not aware of any retailer that has played any games. Any. And so we have to acknowledge that. I've done many, many interviews now on local radio, national radio, regional radio. I want to thank all the hosts, all the stations, for your generosity and kindness. We've had many very, very, very solid discussions. But they're short. And so it's impossible to really explain the book in these, these discussions. I hope to give people a little bit of taste of what's going on. But the hosts have been fantastic. They are engaged. And this is the nature of conservative talk radio. The hosts love this country, as do you. And I've moved from one city to another, one small town to another. I will do as many interviews as I need to. This movement needs to be big. It needs to be sustained. And it needs to be strategic and tactical, or we're going to lose. It's all up to us, each and every one of us. So I want to thank you for being the patriots. I knew you were, you Levinites. Those of you who have not acquired a copy, I want to strongly encourage you, please do so. It's 40% off. It's not going to be any cheaper. It's 40% off on Amazon. That's a good discount. And they do that early on in the book's release, but that'll change over time. It won't be as generous. So I just point that out. Also, those of you who want a signed book, you need to go to premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. They're running out of signed books. So if you want them, you need to jump in. premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Just asking all the Democrats and liberals out there, all the Bidenites out there, who keep encouraging people to be vaccinated. I do too, by the way. I'm vaccinated. That's fine. But why don't you address the issue of illegal immigration? Now, you know most of the people coming over the border have not been vaccinated. They're coming out of poor countries and they're poor people. You know that. 
You know they're not wearing masks. It's like, it's like murder. They want to go after people who register their guns, who buy them legally and don't hurt anybody. Okay, I'm asking a serious question. Why is it that Dr. Fauci and none of the reporters who get access to Dr. Fauci, why isn't it that this administration is saying we need to secure the border, we need to get walls up, we need to make, to make sure uh, we, we enforce our sovereignty, even for health reasons? Why don't they say that? Because they're frauds. So what is it? Why isn't it that the Biden administration, their scientists and their doctors and their experts, so-called, why aren't they demanding that we secure the border to prevent people coming into this country who are not tested, who cannot possibly all be tested, who clearly are not being vaccinated, and allowing them into the nation? That's how unserious and politicized this entire process has become. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811. Chuck Schumer has a question he raised at an event today. Had tip daily caller. Cut five, Mr. Producer. Go. You probably asked yourself the same question I asked myself. How could 74 million people vote for such a despicable human being as Donald Trump? And I don't no, let's just stop. Such a despicable human being as Donald Trump. What has Donald Trump ever done that makes him a despicable human being? What has he ever done to this country that makes him a despicable human being? Now, Chuck Schumer was buddies with Ted Kennedy. There was a despicable human being. And he's not the only one. But look at the language they use. The vile, poisonous, cancerous hate. Now, he calls Donald Trump a despicable human being and other things. But he's not inciting anything, is he, ladies and gentlemen? He's not endangering President Trump, is he? No, 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 no. Bernie Sanders' language, that didn't incite anything either, did it, ladies and gentlemen? No, no, no. Only Donald Trump incites. These clowns use the worst language to describe their opponents. They're running around with white supremacy. They're running around with a white dominant culture. They're running around all kinds of things they say about people. That you're Jim Crow, if you don't agree with them nationalizing our elections and taking over the country. No, no, no. They don't support unity. And this is the kind of Stuff that Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger are the two clowns, the fronts, to show that these people are bipartisan, of course. But nobody's falling for this. Nobody's falling for this. Go ahead. A liberal or a conservative, a Democrat or Republican, he is a vile man. He's a he vile dis- man. 
He's a despicable man. Outrageous. Go ahead. He is divisive. That's what he loves to do, just divide. Isn't this amazing, coming from him and his party, they're divisive? Chuck Schumer is yet to denounce critical race theory. He's yet to denounce Black Lives Matter, which is an anti-Semitic organization, and he's Jewish. He's yet to denounce Biden's policies toward the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, which clearly threatened the United States, and of course Israel and the Gulf states. Go ahead. Each other. He's a racist. And he's a racist. How is Donald Trump a racist? He put in place more initiatives for minority communities in this country than Obama and Biden combined. He's a racist? The number of minorities he hired and all the businesses he has? There's no evidence whatsoever to support it. It doesn't matter. You can get away with it because the utterly corrupt media are in your back pocket. Go ahead. He always appeals ah, to shut you. up, you idiot. I don't even know who the hell you're talking to. Sickening. But that's okay. This is from uh, ABC News did a poll with another organization, Ipsos, whatever the hell that is. ABC Ipsos. As Biden completed 100 days in office, the country was optimistic about the coming year. But now, just after hitting the six-month mark, Americans' optimism about the direction of the country has plummeted nearly 20 points. Plummeted. A majority, 55% of the public, say they're pessimistic about the direction of the country. A marked change from the roughly one-third, 36%, that said the same in ABC News Ipsos poll back in May, on May 2nd. Now, in that survey, Americans were more optimistic than pessimistic by a 28 percentage point margin. Optimism is now underwater by 10 points. So that's a 38-point spread. Looking ahead to the next 12 months, fewer than half, 45%, now report feeling optimistic about the way things are going. A significant drop from about two-thirds in the May poll. The decline in optimism has occurred across the board among Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. Optimism is down about 20 points among Democrats and Republicans, and down 26 points among Independents, among Democrats, 71% now say they're optimistic about the direction of the country over the next 12 months. That's much lower than the near-universal 93% from Democrats on Biden's approval and handling of the pandemic. Now, by the way, is everybody now dying as a result of the coronavirus or the Delta part of the coronavirus? Are those deaths now counted against Biden? I'm just curious of the vile, cold-blooded way Biden and his party and the media treated this early on, before he was president. So is every death now on Biden's count? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen? The optimist-pessimist flip comes as Americans give Biden his lowest approval rating for his handling of the pandemic. A little over 63% approve of his response to the coronavirus, according to the poll, which was conducted again by them. Although still a majority, 
It's a nine-point drop from late March, the high for Biden. Everything's dropping for Biden. I told you he's a pandemic. He's a human pandemic. He's a one-man wrecking ball. And the people surrounding him are using him to advance an incredibly radical, anti-American agenda. By the way, somebody asked me, so I'll answer it. How did the sales of American Marxism compare to liberty and tyranny? Now, liberty and tyranny, by the time it was all done a few years, 1.5 million sales in all forms. In the first week, for those who care, liberty and tyranny sold 117,000 hardcover copies. In the first week, American Marxism sold 330,000 hardcover copies. In the second week, so far as the numbers are in, American Marxism has sold 120,000 hardcover copies. So this is a remarkable thing. In the second week of American Marxism, as many books were sold, purchased by you, as the first week of Liberty and Tyranny. Now that tells you something's going on, doesn't it, Mr. Producer? Something big is going on. You. You folks. That's what's going on. So all these wonderful policies that were put in place that were bearing fruit by the prior administration, the Trump administration, Biden comes in and burns them all to to the ground. All of them. All of them. And not just domestic. Foreign too. Iran's on the move. I'll get into that later. Iran is building nuclear weapons. And we had two tremendous statesmen. And Benjamin Netanyahu and Donald Trump. Now we have two of the lightest of lightweights. Naftali Bennett, the Prime Minister of Israel, by crook, by hook, guy that got, what, 3% of the vote of the population, give or take? And Donald Trump. These two men prevented Iran from getting nuclear weapons, that is Netanyahu and Trump. And we're destroying that regime economically. Biden comes in, he goes through third country, floods billions of dollars into the regime. The Iranians, so here I'm telling you now, not later. So the Iranians are slow walking this, they're rope-a-doping the dope. They don't want to come to the table until this happens and that happens and so forth. While they're moving at breakneck speed on producing their nuclear weapons. Bennett doesn't have the guts to stop them. Biden doesn't have the guts to stop them. They're not going to stop them. Whereas Netanyahu and and Trump would have stopped them. They're not going to stop them. Now what are we going to do when Iran has nukes? What are we going to do when China's on the move? What are we going to do with all the hypersonic warfare machine, uh, the hypersonic warfare machine that... That Putin, who, why are we focused on Putin? Well, he's one of the ones we need to focus on. He's focused on us while they're building those weapons. Meanwhile, we're flatlining our military. We're spending time teaching them how to be little Louis Farrakhan's. Public's not stupid. They figured it out. We just have to make sure the vote is honest and straightforward. You know, every Republican who wins, I've told you before, is illegitimate. Well, that George W. Bush, the Electoral College, you know that's racist, don't you? No. Well, you know that Reagan with his two massive slants, yeah, yeah, 
he was signaling to the south, you know. They had a whole new southern strategy down there. He was signaling to the racists. Excuse me, he got almost 60% of the vote. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And of course, Trump was installed by the Russians. But whatever you do, don't count the votes again. Don't do audits in, uh, in, uh, in Arizona, you know. Same media telling us. Why are they running from audits? Why do they care? Why do they care? They nervous? I'm just asking. There's not a single area of this society that's in good shape under this presidency. In fact, so much of the areas in this society are crumbling. You want to know an example? You want to see an example of what it would be like if they took over the voting system, if they took over the economy and everything else? Look at Minneapolis. Look at Los Angeles. Look at Philadelphia. Look at New York. Look around you. They have complete 100% control of everything in these cities. Everything. There's no shortage of money. There's no shortage of money. That's America. The crime, the lack of education, the lack of opportunity. Everybody's at each other's throats. The politicians wanting it that way. Making it impossible for people to, to succeed. That would be America if the Democrats had complete control. I'll be right back. Lovin. USA Today poll, 90% of Detroit residents want more police. You see, folks, we're not being represented. We're being ruled. And if we had a media, as I've said many times, a media that were at least halfway honest, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. But they're not honest. They're thoroughly corrupt. Thoroughly corrupt. And uh, that's something we've talked about over the years, why they're thoroughly corrupt and so forth. From our schools and entertainment to the media and government. We are witnessing the onslaught of repressive actions, including threats, censorship, character assassination, and the demand for more of it. Karl Marx would approve, as I write in American Marxism. In fact, banning people, speech, words, broadcasts, and social media access. Redefining language, history, knowledge, and science, all of which are occurring or pursued in our current culture and environment are the trademarks of totalitarianism. So too is the routine and unchallenged abuse of power and undermining of republicanism and constitutionalism by President Biden, who legislates via executive orders, bypassing Congress and the Constitution's checks and balances. To institute fundamental change to American society, while I don't put from the people's representatives in Congress or the people themselves. Or the efforts of Democratic Party congressional leaders such as Speaker Pelosi and Majority Leader Schumer to baldly threaten the independence of the judiciary in order to influence the outcome of legal decisions and to further their ideological and political agenda. And the collusive actions by the Democratic leadership in both elected branches of the federal government to radically alter the electoral process throughout the country 
to ensure the Democratic Party rarely, if ever, loses its power to rule. Plus, with the smallest majority in the House in decades and a tied Senate at 50-50 senators, they seek to stack the Senate with several additional Democrat seats and eliminate the filibuster rule, the purpose of which is to impose radical change on the nation without broad support from representatives of other parts of the country. Yet it is the opponents of this tyranny who are labeled often successfully as the offenders of civil liberties and human rights, obstructors of progress and foes of the people by the actual offenders. For the actual offenders have already devoured most of the instrumentalities of the state and the culture and dominate the narrative. In his book, Double Talk, The Language of Communism, Harry Hodgkinson wrote, again from American Marxism, quote, Language was to Marx the direct reality of thought. Ideas do not exist divorced from it. Language was to Marx the direct reality of thought. In other words, you can mold thought, you can mold reality. He said ideas do not exist divorced from it. In other words, propaganda. And for Joseph Stalin, the reality of thought manifests itself in language, he said. Words are tools as well as weapons, each fashioned for a precise function. The language of communism is not so much a means of explaining to an unbeliever what communism means, but an armory of weapons and tools intended to produce support or dissolve opposition to communist policies on the part of people either hostile or indifferent to them. This is why they always steal the language and change the nomenclature. The meaning of a communist word is not what you think it says, but what effect it is intended to produce and the impact it is to have on you. Now Hodgkinson goes on, to communists, a majority has no particular sanctity and is called upon to do not what it wishes, but its duty before the court of history. Listen to that again. To communists, a majority has no particular sanctity and is called upon to do, not what it wishes, but its duty before the court of history. In other words, what it's told to do. Choice between parties is a drab formality of bourgeois democracy. Democracy is generally used without a qualifying adjective. So Marxist is generally used with, hello, with a qualifying adjective, he writes, So Marxist Senator Bernie Sanders uses the qualifying adjective democratic socialist. Even so, as Sanders knows, to the communist such a phrase is no more than an essential stage on the road to communism. The wave of repression sweeping our nation is not unlike the earliest days of the French, Russian, and Chinese revolutions. I want to pick up where I left off, just a few more points. This is taken from chapter 6 of American Marxism, but I've been holding it back for months because I think it summarizes so much. We'll be right back. Mark 
Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. This passage I saved for you on page 239 of American Marxism. Now, many of you have books, and they always contact Mr. Kalsker, and say, where is he in the book? I'm not going to do, you know, follow the bouncing ball, but this is a very important couple of paragraphs that I want to get back to. As I say, I've been holding it back, but it summarizes things importantly. Back to American Marxism. Now, this book isn't written to just promote the book. This book is written to expose an ideology, to expose how they're devouring different institutions in this country, to inform not just you, but our fellow citizens. This is the pamphlet that I hope it will be. That is, a book, modern-day pamphlet, to get into the hands and get the information in the minds of as many people as possible. So I write, the wave, of, the, the wave of repression sweeping our nation is not unlike the earliest days of the French, Russian, and Chinese revolutions. All were promoted as popular movements and people's revolutions, intended to establish Rousseauian communalism and Marxist egalitarianism. But that is where the similarity ends. These revolutions were sold as liberation movements, where the masses of the proletariat would rise up against the governing tyranny and the corrupt society. They became genocidal police states. Of course, unlike the other governments and societies, America is a constitutional representative republic. Not a tyranny, not a monarchy, not a dictatorship. There's no widespread dissatisfaction in America. In fact, most Americans are patriotic and revere the country. But the forces of false liberation today are led by fanatical ideologues and activists who are the real purveyors of tyranny and even totalitarianism. They use propaganda, sabotage, and subversion in an effort to demoralize, destabilize, and ultimately destroy the existing society and culture. It is they who are repressing the liberties of their fellow citizens through what is loosely called the cancel culture. It is they who demand conformity of thought by banning differing views from social media. It is they who use the false narrative of oppressors and oppressed to to stigmatize those they claim as part of the white dominant culture and silence the voices of fellow citizens. It is they who are banning words, books, products, movies, and historical symbols. It is they who are destroying the careers of doubters and boycotting the businesses of nonconformists. It is they who are undermining academic freedom and intellectual curiosity through fear and intimidation. It is they who are distorting American history and brainwashing students. It is they who demand the deplatforming of cable news networks and the muzzling of hosts. And it is they who are using and promoting racism sexism, ageism, etc., as weapons of disunity and rebellion, while claiming to want to end them. Even worse, they are using, as I often say, America's freedom to destroy freedom, and the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. And as their poison spreads throughout the culture, the intent is to sow doubt about this country, dispirit the citizenry, and soften the public's innate and reasoned resistance to the point of acquiescence 
to the tyranny of the Marxist-inspired and related domestic movements. That is, I think, very, very important. And it's in the end of the next-to-last chapter of the book. We Choose Liberty is the following chapter. We have allowed the American Marxists to define who we are as a people. They defame us, slander our ancestors in history, and trash our founding documents and principles. They are mostly reprobates who hate the country in which they live and have contributed nothing to its betterment. Indeed, they live off the sweat and toil of others while they pursue a destructive and diabolical course for our nation, undermining and sabotaging virtually every institution in our society. Their ideology and worldview are based on the arguments and beliefs of a man, Karl Marx, whose writings are responsible for the enslavement, impoverishment, torture, and death of untold millions. This is a hard fact, despite the predictable protestations from some in our society who embrace and advance Marxism's core ideas, but attempt to disassociate themselves from responsibility for its inevitable outcomes. Bear with me, I'm reading with one eye. These are the useful idiots who occupy and influence our leadership positions in the Democratic Party, media, academia, and the culture. But we must take solace and find strength in the sacrifice and bravery of our early revolutionaries. Joseph Warren, Samuel Adams, John Hancock, Paul Revere, Thomas Paine, to name a few. Become energized and inspirited by the wisdom and genius of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, James Madison, Benjamin Franklin, and many others. While they have smeared and degraded, while they have been smeared and degraded by American Marxists and their ilk, we must continue to celebrate them, be invigorated by them. And remember that together they defeated the most powerful military force on earth and founded the greatest and most extraordinary nation in the history of mankind. I'm not going to read you over 300 pages. There's a couple pages. The end of one chapter and the beginning of the next. This is what I'm hoping galvanizes people. I think you're going to start to see this movement take hold. Not here and there. But in most places, as time goes on, I think you're going to see not a rebirth of a nation, but the birth of a movement. I can feel it, I can taste it, I can smell it. I've been involved in these before, but this is even going to be bigger, I think. In off-year elections, people are saying Virginia is the, is the key. What happens in Virginia will will tell us what happens everywhere. No, it's not true. That's simply not true. That's the media creating another template. It may be a slaughter of Democrats by Republicans. Who knows? I think the better judge will be, when it comes to elections, the full 2022 election cycle, when the entire House of Representatives is in play and one-third of the Senate's in play. Not one blue state. Light blue, but blue nonetheless. So we cannot allow, again, the media 
to define and create narratives. I'm not saying there wouldn't be a blowout of Democrats by Republicans in Virginia. I'm saying that's not the template. I mean, if that actually happens, that is a huge deal because Virginia is now blue. But if it doesn't, it's no reason to be dispirited. And I think that's what they're trying to do in the media. I believe that. But that isn't even really what I'm talking about. When we begin to see more and more of you and our fellow citizens showing up at local government meetings, at school board meetings, taking actions on your own or as a community against the NEA and the AFT with FOIA, possible litigation, violating the civil rights of your children when they're, when they're brainwashing them, and of course filing IRS complaints against them, we begin to see that. When we begin to see our folks, you, show up at shareholder meetings, and to make a stink about what these boards of directors are doing, not just the left shows up, but we show up. When we begin to see police officers backed by us, financially, bringing civil suits against members of Antifa and Black Lives Matter and other thuggish Marxist anarchist groups, whether they bring them on their own or part of a group, when we begin to see Things of this sort, where people begin to boycott LeBron James and those who've, who've gone to bed with these hellish genocidal maniacs in communist China, then we'll know there's a movement afoot. Then we'll know there's a movement afoot. I want you to know I'm here to push it. I'm here to help network it. I'm here to give it the kind of resolve that it may need, but it needs to be a bottom-up a bottom-up movement. And I think it is, and it's going to be. It is, and it's going to be. The first point of this movement is to call the enemy what it is, an enemy. And American Marxists. They're not American patriots. They're not American little-d Democrats. They are what they are. They self-identify in some cases, but we know who they are in other cases based on what they promote. And the book explains all of it. So those of you who are in, in for this, this struggle, I'm not talking about violence and armed and all the rest. I have to keep saying that because, you know, these morons are listening. Oh, look what he's promoting. I never promote violence, ever. Never have, never will. They do that. But the more of us, the bigger this, this citizenry of patriots can grow, the more of us there are, then the more certain I am that they're going to lose. We're losing now. They're beating us now. But I sincerely believe they have awakened the sleeping giant. That's you. And that you are looking at this book and you're going to the back of the book and you're getting ideas and you're getting excited and you're becoming more and more motivated and you want to talk to your neighbors and maybe form what I call these community committees to... Folks, we have a relatively still, 
until they win. Open system. We need to take advantage of this. We need to take advantage of the systems that were defended by our founding fathers or created and defended by one generation after another. They're open to us too. They're open to us too. You see the Marxists left in this country go in there and try and break them down and destroy them and and devour them. Well, we don't have to tolerate that. We can go into these systems too, whether it's school boards or shareholder meetings. They're open. But we're going to have to do a lot more. Again, I can't go over it every night, but you, you understand when you look at it. And many of you are already. Which is why we need to network and we need to spread the word. We need to be a force to reckon with. And not care what names they call us. All red-blooded Americans. I don't give a damn what color you are. That's their game, not mine. I don't give a damn what your background is. That's their game, not mine. I don't care if you've been a citizen for 14 seconds or the fifth generation of citizens. If you believe in liberty in this country and you've had enough, I'm with you and we're in this together. I'll be right back. So on this January 6th committee includes Adam Schiff. Did you know this, Mr. Producer? Adam Schiff. And Adam Kingsinger happily, happily joins in. He thinks this is really humbling. And Liz Cheney, uh, she's carrying the Pelosi flag. She's all worked up about this. Because they are defending democracy and the Constitution. From an insurrection, don't you know? No, they've thrown in with the insurrectionists. Nancy Pelosi has all but destroyed the House of Representatives. The Democrat Party is aiming at destroying our constitutional construct. They're spending us to the point of oblivion, and our children and our grandchildren are going to have the very, very hard luck. They've thrown in with who are, in effect, the insurrectionists. Unbelievable. More when I return. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Anthony Fauci was on CNN yesterday, Sunday. If it's Sunday, it must be Fauci. It's Monday, it must be Fauci. Tuesday, it must be Fauci. Wednesday, it must be Fauci. But you get it. He's on with the late, not-so-great, fake Jake Tapout Tapper. Are we still with us? Okay. Let's listen to this. Cut six, go. About a month ago, we saw President Biden and a number of governors across the country, Democrats and Republicans, saying that the virus was in retreat. In retrospect, that that sure seems premature. Well, it certainly is in retreat among the vaccinated, Jake, and it gets back to what we've been saying. It's kind of like we have two kinds of America. We have the very vulnerable, unvaccinated part, 
and we have the really relatively protected vaccinated part. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting. And so illegal aliens who come into this country who aren't vaccinated, and this administration invites into this country by failing to secure the, par- the border. Which part of America are they in? And uh, what is the CDC going to decree with respect to that? Will the CDC decree that we secure the border for health reasons? Now listen carefully, folks. I mean this. This will all be repeated tomorrow. I'm asking, will the CDC issue a directive that we must secure the border because people are coming into this country in droves. We don't know if they've been vaccinated. We can assume most of them have not been because they're coming from countries that are poor as hell, and they're poor as hell. So will Fauci, who doesn't head the CDC, but everybody talks about the CDC, he's the infectious disease guy, is he going to insist that we secure the border. Now, of course, Jake Tapper is another low IQ dummy, a Democrat, of course. Predictable. He's not going to bring it up. He didn't say, anyway, instead, no, let me do it this way. You know, uh, sources are telling CNN, you get it? So my question is, the CDC gets involved in guns. The CDC gets involved in mask mandates. The CDC uh, gets involved in whether or not you can raise your rent. A federal court just said, the CDC doesn't have authority to get into that. Of course it doesn't. And so it is massively expanding its jurisdiction. This is what I've been calling medical fascism. Oh, you've heard that before? Yes, I've been calling it medical fascism. And yet it won't touch the border. This is why people have no faith, so many. And Anthony Fauci and the media, corrupt as hell, intellectual, you know, fakes and frauds. This is why. Now let's go to cut seven. Go. Sources are telling CNN the top health officials are weighing whether to revise mask guidelines. Sources are telling CNN's probably the guy sitting right there, Tony Fauci. Now I don't know that to be the case, but that's my guess. What do I know? Go ahead vaccinated Americans, are you part of those conversations? And if so, what are you advising? Do you think masks should be brought back for vaccinated Americans? How about masks being brought back for unvaccinated illegal aliens, Mr. Producer? What will the CDC do about this? I'm, (laughs) I'm not kidding. When you're having the greatest movement of people from south of the border into our country. Many, many, many illegally. Many legally. Just numbers we've never seen before in our country. What are we going to do about that from a health perspective? Go ahead. You know, Jake, this is under active consideration. If you're asking about part of it, am I part of Can I ask a question? Just from an issue of literacy, Mr. Producer. If something's under consideration, isn't it under active consideration? How many things are under inactive consideration? Well, this is under active consideration, as you must know. Go ahead. Yes, I am part of the discussion, but I think what you are seeing, even though as... Wait, you are? The man who brought us the vaccines, the man who invented the vaccines, the man who's responsible for the vaccines? You know how he takes credit for everything? 
little of that Napoleonic thing going on there. Go ahead. Conversation at this moment. The CDC still says and recommends that if you are vaccinated fully, that you do not need to wear a mask indoors. However, if you look at what's going on locally in the trenches in places like L.A. County, the local officials. No illegal aliens in L.A. County, Mr. Producer. No way. No illegal aliens in the state of California. No, 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 no. And he doesn't mention them once. Not once. Go ahead. Discretion. And the CDC agrees with that ability and discretion capability. Is the CDC like a new religion or something? We'll have to, what does the CDC say? Let's look at Deuteronomy 23. Oh, and what does the CDC tell us? Who is, what is, who are, what are the CDC? Bureaucrats, lots and lots of them. Go ahead. You know, you're in a situation where we're having a lot of dynamics of infection. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. There That's you a- go. They even undermine their own logic and science. You should wear a mask even if you're vaccinated. That makes no sense whatsoever. But there's a variant. There's the Delta variant. Tell us about the Delta variant. They never tell us what is, what is it. What's the variant? Well, you know. Well, what is it? Eh, it's a variant, you know. Whatever. Variant. Variant. Tell me, do illegal aliens get the Delta variant? Ah, listen. What are you, white supremacist? What are you bringing that up for? Well, why don't we secure the borders? Ah, yeah, okay, right, whatever. Go ahead. Local decision that's not incompatible with the CDC. So they make those, it's a local decision unless the CDC disagrees. Then it's not a local decision. Wear a mask, even if you've been vaccinated. But you can wear it if you're around three people. But if you're around one person, no need. If you're in your bedroom, wear the mask. If you're in the powder room, don't wear the mask. If you're in the basement, wear two masks. I'm sounding like my buddy uh, Jackie Mason, aren't I? Isn't that amazing how that creeps up on you? It really does. It's in your head. That's why he was so brilliant, by the way. Anyway, go ahead. Overall recommendations that give a lot of discretion to the locals. And we're seeing that in L.A. We're seeing it in Chicago. Uh, you're, you're talking in circles. You make no sense. You make no sense. This guy is, is, is at the tip of the pyramid of a massive bureaucracy. People don't realize how big these bureaucracies are. So he doesn't have any dirt under his fingernails. He's giving speeches all the time. You know, Jake, this is under active consideration. So if you're asking, am I part of the discussion? Yes, I'm part of the discussion. But I think what you're seeing, even though as of our conversation at this moment, the CDC still says and recommends that if you're vaccinated fully, that you do not need to wear a mask indoors. Well, isn't that nice? However, if you, who the hell is going to wear a mask indoors if they're vaccinated? But if you look at who's going on, what's going on locally in the trenches in places like L.A. County, the local officials have the discretion and the CDC agrees with that ability and discretion capability to say, you know, you're in a situation where we're having a lot of dynamics of infection. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, you know, Jake, uh, 
Even if you're vaccinated, you should wear a mask. That's a local decision that's not incompatible with the CDC's overall recommendations that give a lot of discretion to the locals. And we're seeing that in L.A., we're seeing it in Chicago, we're seeing it in New Orleans, because the officials there, many of them are saying, even if you're vaccinated, it's prudent to wear a mask indoors. That's a local decision. May I ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen? Every time I see Fauci, he's indoors. He's not wearing a mask. Is he? No, he's not. He's not wearing a mask. But for the 50th time, so all the backbenchers can hear me, how come he never discussed illegal aliens and what's coming across the border in terms of COVID and other diseases? How come? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. During the break, I did a little bit of digging. Digging. I found this little morsel about immigration. This comes out of a book. I want you to listen to this. Health costs and risks are also growing throughout the nation. The late Madeline Pelner Cosman wrote, quote, By default, we grant health passes to illegal aliens. By default, we grant health passes to illegal aliens. Yet many illegal aliens harbor fatal diseases that American medicine fought and vanished long ago, such as drug-resistant tuberculosis, malaria, leprosy, plague, polio, dung. Cosma noted the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act requires every emergency department to treat anyone who enters with an emergency, including cough, headache, hangnail, cardiac arrest, herniated lumbar disc, drug addiction, alcohol overdose, gunshot wound, automobile trauma, human virus, positive infection, mental problem, or personality disorder. The definition of emergency is flexible and vague enough to include almost any condition. This is federal law. Any patient coming to the hospital emergency department requesting emergency care must be screened and treated until ready for discharge or stabilized for transfer, whether or not insured, documented, or able to pay. A woman in labor must remain to deliver her child. High-technology emergency departments have degenerated into free medical offices. The costs are obviously extremely burdensome to hospitals and physicians. They are either passed on to patients of insurance or the hospitals and physicians must absorb them. Moreover, the threat of re-emerging diseases is real and, and serious. Now this is from Liberty and Tyranny, 12 and a half years ago, pages 168 and 169. That passage in specific was attacked by the left. What do you mean, keep coming in here with diseases and so forth? But I want you to listen to the front end of this again. What the late Madeline Pellner Cosman wrote. By default... We grant health passes to illegal aliens. Yet many illegal aliens harbor fatal diseases that American medicine fought and vanquished long ago. By default, we grant health passes. Now listen. We are granting coronavirus passes, Delta variant passes to illegal aliens. 
I remembered back 12 and a half years. I remembered something like that in the book, and that's what I was looking for during the break. We are granting health passes to illegal aliens. And in some cases, legal aliens who are coming across the border right now because the government's processing them so quickly they don't know what to do with them. We're granting health passes. Coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Delta variant passes to people coming into this country from other countries. Crossing the southern border. What does Anthony Fauci have to say about that? What does CNN have to say about that? Where's the CDC medical directive about that? Nothing, nothing, and nothing. They're getting health passes while Americans are getting ready to get locked down again. Uh, Ain't happening. Not happening. You're supposed to wear masks inside even if you're vaccinated. You have people coming across the border who are not vaccinated getting health passes. And that's the phrase to use, health passes. This will be picked up very quickly tomorrow. Isn't that what's happening, Mr. Producer? And it's not just people who live south of the border. It's people who live on the African continent, in the Middle East, Far East Asia, Eastern Europe, even our Canadian friends. I don't know. From all over the world. They're getting health passes. People are coming here in many cases, in cases of hundreds and hundreds of thousands, illegally. They're being moved into the center of the country. The Democrats aren't holding any hearings in Congress. Biden is not responding. He's not able to respond. His administration isn't responding. They are able to respond. You try and get some answers, they just blow you off. They just blow you off. Let me, uh, Jeremy Barr, where's the little pimpled face you know what? Where is he? Jeremy, Jeremy. And where's the rest of it? Hagerman? What's her name? From the New York Slimes? Maggie? Maggie! National Pubic Radio? The Associated Depressed? MSLSD? The Constipated News Network? The Washington Compost? The New York Slimes? Where are you? Well, we're busy writing articles in defense of Biden. Question's a simple one. Why are aliens getting health passes? When the CDC with Anthony Falke, Falke, whatever the hell is, while while, while they're having a discussion about mandating masks, how about we mandate the enforcement of our immigration laws? No, we can't do that. Can't do that. Can't secure the border. No, we can't do that. Why not? There's certainly no pressure for it, is there, folks? Not from the media and so forth and so on. So I'm going to keep hitting this point. Now here we have Jen Psaki at the White House. A bigger puppet and and moron there never has been. Cut eight, go. Does the president favor restrictions for unvaccinated people when it comes to restaurants, museums, concerts? Now I don't know who this reporter is, but does the president favor restrictions for unvaccinated people? Now we have a whole new class of human beings. A whole new class of human beings. That we're supposed to put down and look down on. Now there's a lot of reasons people don't get vaccinated. Some of them are health related. Some of them literally are mental related. Or they've had this already. Or 
Does the president favor restrictions for unvaccinated people when it comes to restaurants, museums, and concerts? And what else? Immigration? No, we're not going to ask that. No. No, we're focused on the American citizen, boy. We got to hammer the hell out of them. We got to divide them, slice and dice them, and so forth. Remember, people coming into this country are better than American citizens. Oh. Go on. The president favors uh, using the CDC as his North Star and what the health and medical experts are going to advise on how to save more lives and protect people. Really? And and, uh, are they going to talk about immigration at all? Uh, Pasaki as they save lives and and protect more people? Go ahead. Doesn't think that there should be restrictions on unvaccinated people like some other countries. This and this reporter. Oh, she really believes in freedom, doesn't she? Hey, hey, aren't there going to be more? You know what we need? We need like prison camps. We'll just start rounding up people who aren't vaccinated or they can't prove that they were vaccinated. I mean, after all, we need to protect the population and save lives, you know. So in addition to destroying free speech and the First Amendment, we have to destroy freedom of assembly. You should be able to assemble with us. No, 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 no. So if you don't want to be vaccinated, just crawl over the southern border and, uh, and surrender as an illegal alien. I'll be right back. is where liberalism ends and liberty begins. The Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. All right, let's take some calls, shall we? Yes, I can. Josh, Kansas City, Missouri, the great KCMO. Josh, how are you, sir? Good, yes, Mark. Sir. How are you doing tonight? Good, thank you. I don't know if you're... Me- I don't know if you remember me. I called a couple weeks ago, and you and I got into it about uh, the new voter laws, and I said they were voter suppression. Well, I wanted to call back and tell you that I am wrong. I was wrong, and uh, I apologize. Well, first of all, you don't have to apologize, but what changed your mind? Well, I looked into the laws, and I was unaware that these laws were pretty much the the rule of the land before COVID, and actually they're even more expansive even from before COVID. And I was completely unaware of that. I bought into that mainstream propaganda, and uh, I looked into that, and I was like, oh, I'm totally wrong. And then kind of led me. I also bought American Marxism just to see what else I've been wrong about. Wow. Hey, so let me tell you something, to- Josh. Here's what separates you from the, uh, from the left-wing pack. That is, you said, all right, this guy kind of beat me up a little bit. Let me see if he's wrong and if I'm right. That is, whether you're right and I'm wrong. And you did some digging and you said, well, now, wait a minute. These laws that they're putting in place are post-coronavirus, but they're actually more liberal than the laws that were in place in the first place. Nobody's being stopped from voting. And uh, I want to thank you for that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. Give the one you bought to somebody else so they'll read it too, okay? Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. I, I, I appreciate that a ton. Of, well, I thought, another thing I thought was crazy real fast was this Herbert Marcuse guy. That's mm-hmm. the critical theory and the different theories. I just That's amazing. Well, not in, not in a good way, but... No, it's frightening. And, uh, man, I'm going to tell you what. You made my night. There you are. You're, you're, you've learned from the book. You've, you've looked at this stuff. When you called, it just sounded like you were kind of a knee-jerk a lefty. And, uh, and now you're digging in. Because I am convinced if people dig in, if they dig in and look, 
like in the first six chapters, they dig in and look, like at the voting issues and so forth. We'll win two out of three, of three of them over. So, Josh, don't hang up. Mr. Producer, make sure he gets a signed copy of American Marxism. Isn't that great, folks? That's exactly my point. Let's go to Bob, Medina, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. Bob, how are you, sir? You're Hello, on. Mr. Levin, you've made my whole year. You've made my whole year. I, tears could have come to my eyes last night uh, when I saw the show where you exposed This is uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. Yes, I, I went to Sam's Club. My wife bought the last Marxist book that you printed. I wanted to buy six more. They're out. They were out about as soon as they received them. I will not buy from Amazon. I do not want them to be on their target. But, you know, you can go online on Barnes & Noble and get it. That's a lot of these retail do. stores, and maybe Sam's for all I know, a lot of these retail stores, you can go online and get them. And I am getting a little concerned that these stores went out of books and they're not quickly, you know, they have enough uh, p- putting them back on the shelves. Anyway, you go ahead. I'm sorry, Bob. I got a little. I have a little relationship with them, and I ask them to order in a dozen, and I would take them all. But in the wow. meantime, um, the, the, the New York Times. I've known for years the, the atrocities, and it seems like the uh, Semites are the worst anti-Semitics. I mean, the. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's all confusing to me. I know, but Hitler wasn't a Semite. What I the know. problem is. And I understand your confusion. I really do. Because I get confused by it too. I just figure the more people have information, the better off we are. And I thought it was important to lead the show last night on Fox with information most people do not have unless they listen to this show. That the New York Times was involved in not just, uh, not merely covering up, but was involved in these, these genocidal activities with their with their not just coverage, their propaganda, and nobody's ever held them to account. In other words, we have these brilliant professors who've written about it and so forth, none of whom will come on my show, by the way. They're too frightened. Uh, but I, I pointed out, and the New York Times is the gold standard, the New York Times is a disgusting, diabolical corporation. That's exactly what it is. Don't you agree, Bob? It's unbelievable. And also NPR, NPR taxpayer-supported... And I think they're the beginning of all this going downhill. And I, I thank God for Mark Levin is trying to save our country. Uh, and, and the Rush Limbaugh's and those folks are beautiful. And, yeah. and But NPR is on a thousand of our campuses. I, I don't get it. I mean, why, why should our Congress fund them and fund Planned we Parenthood? We shouldn't, but we have weak Republicans. We have some strong Republicans, but they're outnumbered. And when we control Congress and control the presidency... You have people like McConnell and others, let's pick all their fires. But what you and I are saying and other people are saying is this is propaganda. This is, this is where we allow the left to have a format that's subsidized by we and the government when we have thousands and thousands of radio stations and channels. We don't need to have government-sponsored radio. Bob, I want to thank you. Don't hang up. You're going to get a signed copy of American Marxism. Don't hang up, please. Let us continue, shall we? I think we can. Let's go to Dave, Cross Lake, Minnesota. Cross Lake, Minnesota, XM Satellite. Dave, how are you? 
I'm well, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. And I wanted to call, Mark, and just say thank you. Last week, you casually mentioned Cloward Piven, uh, and it was quite casual. Mm. I just want to thank you for doing that, because you're the only one with a a nationwide microphone that has ever said that. To me, the writing... Now, in all fairness, Glenn Beck hammered these guys for a long time. But I also, in the book, I really really try to expose them, and particularly... Uh, what she, her husband, has died since, what she has said in recent times, just to underscore the connection to the Marxist ideology. Anyway, go ahead, Dave. Absolutely. I was going to say absolutely, because in my mind, that is their playbook. That's exactly what they're doing, collapsing the system, whether it's local policing, replaced with a federal police force, whether it's just what you said earlier with all the illegals and this uh, uh, you know, health uh, certificate kind of thing, collapse the private uh, medical mm-hmm. system replace it with government. And to me, I see that dot to dot to dot to dot lining up linearly where they're trying to collapse this part, that part, that part, where government is the only answer. I agree with you. I really appreciate it. If you haven't read the book, you're going to love the book. So don't hang up. I'm going to send you a signed copy of the book. Don't hang up. Now, folks, I don't have enough books to give to everybody. I'm limited on what I get. I get people contacting me, good friends, who ask for books, too, and I try to give them to them, but I've run out of my books. I only get a certain number from the publisher. So uh, it's in great demand. What can I say? But this is, uh, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. Let us go to Bob. Cape May, New Jersey, that's like one of my favorite places. Uh, listen, wh- how are you listening to us, Bob? Well, W. Uh, uh, uh. GND in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and Very the good. Atlantic City Station uh, also, Mark. Uh, I love those guys, stations. Apparently, things. we're number one in Atlantic City, as I understand it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, uh, Mark, a uh, couple things. I, I just want to make a quick remark about Jackie Mason. Uh, he was an absolute comic genius. Yep. My wife was a showroom captain in Atlantic City for 20 years, and he was the only comedian that constantly used fresh material. And... If any of your listeners ever saw him in, in person, I mean, they'd know what I'd talk about. He would have you rolling in the aisles for an hour and a half. He was an amazing man. He was a patriot. And, and he took you know, his time with anybody who met him. Did you notice that, too? He didn't rush by wonder. them. Hello, how are you? He's friendly. Yeah, He's a good sure man. Was, but, so, Mark, I just want to talk about the Socialist Democrats and the the. the Greatest, a great example of, of their absolute evil is what they're doing on the border here. So they want voters, they want to become the dominant political organization in this country, and they're willing to send, sell this country down the road. Uh, they'll import disease, crime, and poverty. It doesn't matter. And, you know, Mark, you, I have to thank you so much for for exposing the evils of, of communism. You know, my parents came to this country from, from Europe after the Second World War, and they lost everything to the Soviet hordes. Uh, they knew firsthand what that evil was like. And again, you know, if you, we need to expose what, what this kind of political ideology is, the pure evil. The, uh, what happened to the peasants in the Soviet Union in the 1920s? What happened to the Ukrainians in the early 1930s? And we can go on and on about the evils of, of this. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and by the way, notice, Bob, it's never discussed in the media when they say, 
Oh, the founders of Black Lives Media, excuse me, Black Lives Matter, the founders of BLM, uh, they're Marxists. Now, we're the ones that discovered it in the one case. We found the audio. Mr. Producer did. But that said, they never say, okay, now you know what Marxism does and you know what it is, so this organization has a lot to answer for. No. No, they never discuss it. So I discuss it, and I've written about it. Bob, don't hang up. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, folks, if you go into one of these large retail stores and you don't see American Marxism there, or they say they don't have it, it's not true. Ask the general manager to bring out the books. I'm not saying this is a problem, but there's a couple places it's been very odd. So whether it's a Costco or a Walmart or whatever it is, uh, if you don't see any books stacked up, there's something wrong. I know it's selling quickly, but they have plenty of books back on pallets and so forth. I ran into that in Leesburg, Virginia over the weekend. And uh, there were 160 books sitting in a pallet in the back, and none of them up front. And as you know, Saturday and Sunday are the busiest days for that particular outlet, or most outlets. Also, if you're running into problems, just go to Amazon.com, or Barnes & Noble has an online service too, so does Walmart. If you have a uh, reason that you don't want to use Amazon, but I will tell you that the vast majority of you are using Amazon. It's for the convenience, and it's 40% off. And I have to say, Amazon is not in any respect restricting or obstructing your access to this book. So the fastest way you can get it in your hands at the cheapest price, that may be what you want to do. Or if you happen to be in one of these stores, that's great too. But if you don't see it there, honestly, you should ask and say, where is it? Because I'm getting some feedback. That's the only reason. There's 905,000 copies of this book. About a half a million hard copies have sold for something or other. I don't have the exact number, but 450 or more? That's a lot. That's you. Let's go to Ernie, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Ernie, listening on XM Satellite, how are you? Yo, man. First time caller. Thank you, buddy. Hey, I listen to you every night. I drive a truck, drive Thanks. team, drive across country. I, I don't see no racism anywhere. I stop at all these truck stops. I also see nothing but Trump signs still to this day. And mm-hmm. I go up into Oregon, California, Washington State. All I see is Trump signs. Mm-hmm. I drove I drove my 13-year-old grandson cross-country, and we listen to you every night. And he's like, man, I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank old. you. He liked it when you yelled. He loves it, man. He loved you when you well, yelled, man. It was awesome. Listen, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have the book or the audio version? Uh, man, I don't, I don't know. I never listen to a book on the road. My, my team driver does. All right, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll send you a signed book. I can't really sign the, the audio very well. So you can at least have it at home with you. So don't hang up. We want to get your address, and we thank you very, very much. We love our truckers. Oh, yes, we do. They make this country work. Solid, solid, solid. All right, let's go to Edward. Congress, New York, the great WABC. Edward, how are you? What a pleasure, Mark. I waited a long time to speak with you. I just want to thank you for being who you are. 
I wanted to get that out of my system for the longest time. Thank You're you. like my adjunct professor of modern politics. You're exposing <laughs> these people. But the reason why I'm calling, may I call you doctor? Of course. And you know where I'm coming from when I'm telling you that. But I, I just wanted to uh, respond to, uh, to our we got Senator 40 seconds. Schumer. Yes. Okay. Uh, Chuck, we're not going anywhere. We have listened to Mark Levin. There's 74, 75 million of us. We like Mr. Trump. We do not disrespect Mr. Trump. And Edward, don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of the book. And may I say, and Chuck, we despise you and everything you stand for, including that, uh, that row that you plugged into your forehead that hasn't grown in properly. I want to salute all you heroes out there. Thank you. Please jump onto Amazon or somewhere and get your copy before the price goes up. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.